0: There's a battle going on for the souls of me, the taste of war is ever dear, but I am safe within the arms of God's dear bride. She is the keeper of my soul, she is the church of Christ, I'll not
1: Ladies and gentlemen, Rick Brydenbaugh of the Gospel Defender Ministries. This Gospel message will encourage and equip those who have ears to hear to be a Christian clothed with the armor of a Gospel Defender. Ladies and gentlemen, it is written in Luke 8, verse 1, that after Jesus forgave the woman in the city who was a sinner, believed to be a prostitute in Luke 7, he went through every city and village, preaching and bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God, and the twelve were with him. The twelve were, of course, his twelve special disciples called apostles. They had a front row seat to observe how the glad tidings of the kingdom of God were to be preached. There is not a preacher living today who has gone to the most elite theological seminary and received the kind of preacher training that those twelve received. No professor of preaching in any Bible college or university knows as much about how to preach as did Jesus of Nazareth. In Acts 4, verse 13, a religious council was determined to put an end to the preaching of Jesus and the resurrection from the dead, being done by two of those twelve apostles, Peter and John. The council judged them to be uneducated and untrained men. It was true that those two apostles had not received any formal theological education. They had received a far better education. For months they had sat at the feet of Jesus, observing and learning from the master preacher how to preach his word, Most preachers today would do themselves and the Church a great service if they would sit down and attend the preaching seminars of Jesus that are recorded in the Word of God. Most people don't know much about Jesus and His ministry. This is true even of some members of the Church that Jesus built. The reason for this is because the Ministries of Jesus and his apostles are not often preached or taught from the pulpits. Other things are heard, but not Jesus' and his apostles' ministries. A lady recently told me that she would not be in the Lord's Day assembly to be around the Lord's Supper table because she was going to have coffee with a relative who was spiritually lost. Rather than choosing to have coffee with her relative after attending the Lord's table, she would be meeting him at a coffee shop while the saints of God broke bread and drank the cup in remembrance of the one who saved them and her from their sins. When I expressed my bewilderment how a saint of God could forsake the Lord's table to have coffee and doughnuts with a lost relative, she said, Your God is not my God. Hmm, that is strange, since there is only one God and Father of all. One of us did not know the one God of the Bible, and methinks it was her. She really didn't know God because she had not been around the preaching of that God's Word. There are hundreds, probably thousands, just like her. It would surprise her to know that the Jesus she thought she knew began his ministry following his immersion in the River Jordan at the hands of John the Dipper, preaching, "'Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand.'" That was not the message of a beginner. Repentance was a common theme of his preaching during all the days of his ministry. It was a strong message. It was a message of warning. It was a message of salvation. Twice in the 13th chapter of Luke, he preached, "'I tell you, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish.'" That was the message of Jesus, the Christ, the embodiment of love, compassion, and mercy. I am not Jesus and have never pretended to be, but I cannot help think that had that lady told Jesus, who died for her, that she was not going to remember him at his table on the Lord's day, he would have told her, I tell you, unless you repent, you will perish. In this final part of this three-part message entitled, And How Shall They Preach? We continue to ask, How shall they preach? How are preachers supposed to preach God's Word today? We have noted that one earmark of New Testament apostolic preaching was it was done in honest boldness. A second earmark OF NEW TESTAMENT APOSTOLIC PREACHING WE HAVE NOTED IS IT WAS DONE WITHOUT RESPECT OF PERSONS. A THIRD EARMARK OF NEW TESTAMENT APOSTOLIC PREACHING WE HAVE NOTED IS IT WAS DONE IN FEAR OF GOD AND NOT MEN. AND NOW WE NOTE THE FOURTH. A FOURTH EARMARK OF NEW TESTAMENT APOSTOLIC PREACHING IS THAT IT WAS DONE IN CONTENDING FOR THE FAITH. WHEN WE THINK OF PREACHING THAT CONTENDS FOR THE FAITH, WE THINK OF JUDE VERSE 3, THERE JUDE, A BONDSERVANT OF JESUS CHRIST AND BROTHER OF JAMES, WROTE, BELOVED, WHILE I WAS VERY DILIGENT TO WRITE TO YOU CONCERNING OUR COMMON SALVATION, I FOUND IT NECESSARY TO WRITE TO YOU EXHORTING YOU TO CONTEND EARNESTLY FOR THE FAITH, WHICH WAS ONCE FOR ALL DELIVERED TO THE SAINTS. There are words in this third verse worth our time to emphasize as they relate to the question how shall they preach? First, Jude said he was very diligent to write to those who are called, sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ. Jude was very diligent in deciding what he wrote. When He penned the 25 verses of his epistle. It was not last-minute, off-the-cuff thoughts. Neither should any message preach from God's word today. Jude had given those 25 verses great thought. Since that was the case, those who read his short epistle need to sit up and pay attention to what this inspired writer wrote. Second, he had something to say about the common salvation that he and his readers had received. Their salvation was not common in the sense of its value. It was not of little value or something ordinary. The salvation that Jude and each recipient of his letter had received was received in the same way, a common way. Some were not saved one way and others another way. They all had their sins forgiven in a common way. Some did not pray a sinner's prayer for salvation while others did good deeds to receive their salvation. Some were not sprinkled with water while others were immersed in water. Everyone who was saved received their salvation the same way. It was the way Jesus said in Mark sixteen sixteen. He who believes and as baptized will be saved. It was the way Peter said in Acts 2, verse 38, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. It was the way Paul said salvation was received in Galatians 3, verse 27. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. All of them were saved. When they heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, believed the gospel of Jesus Christ, and obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ by repenting of their sin and being baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ, each Christian had this in common with each other. This scheme of redemption was commonly preached by all preachers of the first century. Preachers today need to preach this. Third, Jude told those who received his letter, they were to contend earnestly for the faith they had heard. Christians are not only to contend for the faith, they are to earnestly contend for it. They are to fight for and defend the truth that is embodied in the one faith of Ephesians 4 verse 5. It is a silly, cowardly, and biblically ignorant idea to believe that Christians ought not argue over Christianity. When Jude said, we are to fight in defense of it, we must fight the ideas of those who ridicule, mock, misrepresent, and deny the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is only those who do not know the word of God who suggest that no one should argue scripture. I understand why some argue that way. It is a phony, pious cover for their being ignorant of the Scriptures. Apostle Paul said in Ephesians 6, verse 10, Christians are to be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. And to do that, the Christians must put on the whole armor of God so that He is able to... To stand against the wiles of the devil. For Christians do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the high heavenly places. The six necessary pieces of armor Christians must wear are listed in Ephesians 6, verses 14 through 17. When prayer is included, there are seven preachers today should preach this. Fourth, the word faith is near the end of Jude 3. Jude did not say we are to earnestly contend for a faith. He said Christians are to earnestly contend for the faith. Among the seven points of unity listed in Ephesians 4 is one faith, not two, not three, and certainly not hundreds. There is only one faith. The Muslims don't have their private faith, the Hindus their private faith, and the Confucianists their private faith. No one can read God's word and come from it believing. The Muslim faith is a great faith, as was said by one of our past presidents. That president may have known his party's platform, but he did not know the word of God. And unless he has repented of that foolish statement and has been immersed in water in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of his sins, he is lost in his sins for thinking and preaching that false doctrine. The cultists do not have their faith, while those of the one church that Jesus built has their faith. There is not a Protestant faith, a Jewish faith, and a Roman Catholic faith. There is only one faith, and that faith is the faith revealed in holy writ, sacred script, the writ that is written between the covers of the Bible. And by the way, you do not have your faith, well, I have my faith, any more than you have your God and I have my God. The idea that you can have your faith and I can have my faith is a statement that reveals a complete, total ignorance of what the Bible says. It is also true that there are not different faiths within so-called Protestantism. There are different beliefs, but not different faiths. The idea that one Protestant faith can believe one way to be saved from sin, and another Protestant faith can believe in another way to be saved from sin, and both of them be saved from sin, is religious insanity. The idea that different parts of Protestantism are at liberty to observe the sacred supper of the Lord Jesus Christ at different times during the week or during the year is to say that the Word of God has not spoken on this subject and has left all of this up to us. It is a serious error to think that God has not spoken on this subject when, in fact, He has. The idea that a person can choose the church of his or her choice, when the Lord Jesus Christ died on the cross, gave His blood, and purchased His one church with that blood, is a doctrine foreign to God's Word. It is a doctrine that originated not in the mind of God, but in the minds of unsaved, uninspired men. The idea that it has been left up to men to decide what name identifies the corporate church body that Jesus built and her members individually is an idea nowhere to be found on any page of sacred text. Preachers today should preach this. Fifth, There is one more important little detail in Jude's greeting in verse 3. He said the one faith had once for all been delivered to the saints. Once for all. If Jude wrote his epistle when we think he did, around 70 A.D., the one faith for which his recipients were to earnestly contend was finished, completed by that date. It had been completed for all time and for all people. There would never be another gospel. There would be be no need for additional further additions to the gospel. There would be no more revelation of anything to complete the one faith. Preachers today need to preach this. In view of Jude's inspired statement, It is ignorant arrogance to believe that anyone after the first century has authored anything additional to complete the one faith. And yet the religious world is told by more than a few preachers there are new revelations. The one faith revealed in our Bibles that is adequate to lead men and women, boys and girls to salvation is not adequate according to narcissistic cult leaders, those who are members of religious organizations that follow a man who said he found golden tablets, and those who are members of religious organizations that follow a man who wrote additional books, tell us the Bible is not enough. The gospel, the one faith, was not finished though Jude said it was. Instead, people are encouraged to follow the writings of men who lived long after the resurrection of Christ, who lived long after the apostles, who lived long after the book that contains the books of Genesis through Revelation was finished, who say they have received a supernatural, miraculous revelation. This is more than any man or woman of reason and intellect can accept or believe. What a dangerous and outlandish belief to defend that men of known dishonorable reputations have received revelation from God centuries after the writers of the book we call the Bible. Preachers today need to preach this. How shall men stand behind sacred desk, and preach the gospel. They shall preach as Jude told all men to preach, contending earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints of God. Preach with a determination to defend the one faith that was preached and defended by Christ and His band of apostles and prophets who were left behind after Jesus ascended into the presence of His Holy Father, God Almighty. We live in a time when the lost and dying seem to have more determination to die lost than do the saints of God to preach the one gospel message of Jesus Christ. If there were ever a time we need to hear preachers preach the unadulterated message of God's Word, it is today. We need to hear preachers who will return to the old paths. We need preachers who will preach because of their love for Christ and His Word, more than being popular with the masses, or to have personal security and gain wealth. But we also need people who will support strong, faithful, truth-filled messages. From strong, faithful, truth-filled men of God, who are concerned that people hear and know God's beautiful, life-saving revelation of truth. The one church that Jesus built must ring out with mighty, forceful, sound proclamation from behind the pulpits of the Lord's Church. The religious world is hungry to hear that kind of message. This is the answer to the question, and how shall they preach? Now to those of you who are not preachers, let me remind you that in James chapter 1 and verse 21, it is written that you must lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Ladies and gentlemen, you may listen to every preacher on every form of media. You may send your money to ministries. You may own more than one Bible. You may know and talk religious talk, but if you have never obeyed the gospel message of Jesus Christ, to repent of your sins and be buried with him in the baptism of which Jesus spoke in both Mark chapter 16 verse 16 and Matthew chapter 28 verses 19 and 20. It would have been much better for you had you never heard the preaching of the word of God in the first place. And so, how shall they preach in honest boldness, without respect of persons, in fear of God and not men, while contending for the faith.
0: There's a battle going on for the souls of men. The case of war is there I am safe within the arms of God's dear bride She is the keeper of my soul She is the church of Christ I'll not surrender
1: Ladies and gentlemen, Rick Bridenbaugh speaking. You have just heard another Gospel Defender Ministries radio broadcast, brought to you by the church that Jesus built, that preaches all of the word to all of the world. Jesus said in Mark 16, verse 16, He who believes and is baptized will be saved. So find someone today who will immerse you into Christ today before it is everlastingly too late. Our mailing address is Gospel Defender Ministries, Post Office Box 575 Jellicothe, C-H-I-L-L-I-C-O-T-H-E, Jellicothe, Ohio, Zip, 45601. You can also contact us through the World Wide Web at gospel-defender.org or by email at agosdef, A-G-O-S-D-E-F, agosdef at roadrunner.com. At your request, a written transcript or an audio copy of today's message will be sent to you free of charge with no obligation from you now or in the future. We need to hear from you as soon as possible, so please take the time to contact us today. Now, until you and I meet again at this same time and at this same place, our prayer is that you will be steadfastly set for the defense Of the gospel. In case we haven't met, I'm Dino Colombo. I represent people hurt by a truck. It's what we do every day. Navigating the law can be tough, but we're tougher. Let us handle the fight. Hurt by a truck? Call Colombo Law.